welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Now, whenever I read a story in the Bible, there's a couple of things I find really helpful to do. And there's a couple of questions that I like to ask, um, especially when reading a story about Jesus. And they're the same questions um, that, that always help me to learn something, and they're the same questions that um, I'll I'll ask when I'm preparing a message, when I'm just reading the Bible. They're the same questions that you can ask when you're reading a story from the Bible, or parents are the same questions you can ask your kids when you're reading a passage together. Uh, And there's simply this, what does Jesus do or say, and why do we think Jesus did that or said what he said? And as 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 we ask those questions in the passage today, I think that we're gonna we're gonna see something. Whenever I do that, I'll, I'll, I'll ask God, I'll just take a moment to pray and ask God and say, God, just show me what is the actual truth here that you're wanting to show to me. Help me to see it. So um, let's just take a moment to pray this morning and, and ask God to, to speak truth to us as well. Heavenly Father, I just come before you right now and I pray that you would show us your truth. Show us the truth, Lord. Pray that you would illuminate your word to us and draw us closer to you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as I was reading this passage, as I read it over and over, I felt this phrase drop into my head. And, uh, and if you want a title for my, for my message, this is it. This, this, this phrase is, worship comes first. Because we, we look at, when we look at what this woman does, it was not a prank on Jesus. This was an act of worship. And the way that Jesus responds to it, I think, tells us his, the, the, the importance of worship. And, uh, and that in, in, in all things, worship, worship of Jesus comes first. Worship is the most special thing that any of us get to do. See, some of the things that I didn't initially know about this perfume, this jar of perfume, was that it wasn't just like a jar that you could open and take a little bit out and put a little bit on and then seal it up again. This was the kind of thing, it was an all or nothing thing. These jars, they were sealed, and the only way to get the perfume out was to break the jar open and then tip it all out. So to use it, people usually wouldn't, wouldn't use it. They would just put it on the shelf and know that this was an incredibly valuable thing that I own. It's too expensive to actually open and it's too expensive to actually use, and it would just sort of get passed down. And yet this, this woman has, has chosen to pour it all out to break it open, to pour it all out for Jesus simply because she, she loves him. Worship is, is defined as a, as a feeling or an expression of reverence and adoration, which is kind of fancy words for incredible respect and incredible love. And this decision to, to pour out such a, such a valuable thing which in, I think it's in Mark and in John, there's a, there's a line where the disciples explain that this could have been sold for a year's wages. And I don't care how much you earn, a year's wages is, is a year's wages. That's a lot. Um, and yet to pour it all out for Jesus was an act of incredible love and incredible reverence. And as we look at the way Jesus responds, we're going to look at how Jesus views worship. This is one of these passages where I feel like I've still got lots of questions and I'm still processing some stuff and there's so much in it because it's the Word of God. 
but I, I feel like I've learned three things that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is that worship costs us, but it doesn't hurt us. Worship is, is an act of sacrifice. It's an act of generosity towards God. And it's so beautifully demonstrated in this story. Like I said, worship is an act of love. And, and, and any time we're talking about love, love is, <clears throat> excuse me, love is all about the other person. So when we talk about loving God, it's all about God and it's nothing about us. And that's why it requires sacrifice. Because any time that we're not thinking about ourselves or thinking about what we want, we are sacrificing that. We, we might be sacrificing our time or our preferences or, or our finances. Um, and when we, when we choose to do that, we're putting, we put God first and that's, and that's worship. But this, the concept of sacrifice sometimes is a little bit hard to hear. I don't really like the word. I feel like it triggers something in me a little bit. I start immediately thinking when someone talks about sacrificing something, I start thinking, is there a way around this? Is there a way that I can find a solution where nobody has to sacrifice anything? Because that would be better, surely. Is there a way where everyone can win and no sacrifice is required? It's like an automatic kind of thought process. And, and I, I feel like I might not be alone in that. And I think the reason is because sacrifice implies loss, and loss hurts. Any time that we've lost something or someone, we feel, we feel that loss inside of us, and it hurts. So any time we talk about sacrificing something that we might want or want to do, we sort of start feeling, oh, is that going to sting a little bit? Is that going to hurt me to do that? And the beautiful thing about worship, I think, is that it's the one time where we can lay something down, we can sacrifice something, and it absolutely does cost us, and yet it doesn't hurt. That sting that we're expecting doesn't come because we're worshiping Jesus, and he replaces that with something else. It doesn't hurt us. In fact, it unlocks something beautiful inside of us. I remember when, uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago it was now, it was a long time ago, and I was hearing, a, I heard a message at church and the person, the preacher was talking about sponsored children and I felt God say to me, Dave, you, you, need, to, you need to do this, you need to sponsor a child. And I thought, I'm like, oh, really? Like I'm, I'm in uni, I don't have a job, like how am I going to make that work? Um, but... I felt like God saying, no, like you have, you have the means, you can, you can figure it out. And I thought, yeah, I probably can, but it's going to hurt a little bit because it's going to mean missing out on something here or, or sacrificing something there. And I went to the table to go and sign up and I, the whole time I'm in the line thinking like, this is going to, I've got to just do this. I know it's the right thing to do, but it's going to sting. But I filled out the thing, filled out little, picked up a card, filled out my details and the whole time I'm expecting, I'm like, when, is it gonna, when am I going to feel this loss? But it, doesn't, it didn't come. I felt instead something joyful awaken inside of me. Not just because I was making a decision to bless somebody, but I think mostly because it's simply I had made a decision to be obedient to God. And I think any time we do that, any time we put Him first and worship Him, with whatever it may be. 
something joyful, something beautiful is, is awakened in our spirits. And I think we, we draw closer to who we're supposed to be. Now, I'm not saying that we should worship because of what it does for us or what it does in us. That would be completely backwards. Like I said, worship is about loving God. It's about respecting God. It's about putting God first. So worship is all about Him, and it's not about us. But what I'm saying is this. When you feel a call to worship in whatever way, could be, there's always going to be an element of sacrifice, and it could be, it could be a financial thing. It could be sacrificing your sleep to get to church a bit earlier. It could be um, singing a song that you're a bit uncomfortable singing. Like, it could be anything. When you feel a call to do that, you will feel, I think, something in you that says, I know this is going to be good, but it's also going to hurt, and I encourage you, or it's also going to be uncomfortable. And I encourage you to push through that, knowing that, yes, worship costs you, but it will never hurt you. It will instead draw you closer to who you are intended and created to be. We're going to take a little moment, a little break, and I want to, um, I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask a question. I'd love you to turn to the person next to you. Parents, you can ask your kids this question. Um, let's just have a chat for a couple minutes. And the question is, what is your favorite way to worship and what is your least favorite way to worship? So things like serving or giving, singing, dancing, volunteering, quiet time together, communion. What is, what is your favorite one? What is the most uncomfortable one for you? Um, let's, uh, let's have a quick chat and, uh, and then we'll resume. Okay, let's, uh, let's come back together. But uh, if you still have, stuff to, if you still have stuff, to, stuff to share or stuff to ask, then uh, there might be a good chat after the service. Um, there's so many different ways to worship, isn't there? And some of them will come really natural to us and some of them won't. Sometimes God asks us to lean into what's really comfortable for us and sometimes He asks us to step out of our comfort zone in obedience to Him. The second thing that I, that I learned from this passage is that um, the worship, I think worship is more important to Jesus than ministry. See, I read this passage and I start thinking, couldn't, um, don't the disciples kind of have a point? Couldn't they have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor? Wouldn't that have actually been something that Jesus would have been really happy with? I start wondering, like, do they not have a point? Why does Jesus rebuke them? And as I, as I look at it, I think Jesus, first of all, first thing I notice is that Jesus doesn't rebuke their suggestion to give to the poor. He rebukes the fact that they're bothering this woman who's worshipping him. And he makes this comment, says, the poor, will, uh, the poor you will always have with you. Uh, and our, our Bibles, most of them have a little footnote that points us to Deuteronomy 15, 11, where there's a command to always live in a way that is open-handed and generous to the poor. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, yeah, that's, that's always been the command. That's always been how it is. I want all my followers to be generous to the poor. But what, she is, what this woman has done in worshipping me, it doesn't stop you from being generous. Her decision to worship Jesus doesn't stop the disciples from, from being generous. And then he says, you will not always have me drawing their attention to the fact that there's a, a unique opportunity with Jesus right in front of them that I don't think he wants them to miss. 
At no point does he say, you've, you've missed the point. You, I don't want you to be generous to the poor. He absolutely does. But I think what Jesus is telling them is that worshipping him is the highest thing that they can do, that any of us can do. We're going to take another little, little moment. I've got another question. I want you to think about what, what can you think of that Jesus told his disciples or his followers to do? What are some things that you can think of that Jesus told his followers to do? Have a chat amongst yourselves. Kids down the front, how many things can you think of that Jesus told his disciples to do? Hi, Scarlett. Hi, Bill. So Jesus told his disciples to do a lot of stuff. Jesus did a bunch of things, and, and he healed people. He, he told stories. He did miracles, and, and a lot of the things that he did, he then sent his disciples out to do those same things. But I want to know, did anyone, let, let's put this, this verse up from Matthew. Did anyone get this one? Did anyone get this one? This one that Jesus said is the greatest commandment, where he talks about love the Lord your God. That's the greatest commandment. And it's not separated from loving others. They go together. Even though they sound like two things, they always go together. And I think that what, what we see is that the disciples are really focused in this story of, on the things that they saw Jesus doing. Jesus is generous. We know that, so let's try and be generous like Jesus. But I think they missed the point when they start thinking, oh, this thing was wasted because it was used for worship. And they're a little bit disappointed. And Jesus says, no, ministry is important. The stuff that we do for others is important. But if we're doing it separate from worship, it loses its, it loses its importance. I think that our ministry is not important just because of the, for the sake of what it is. Our ministry is important because it is worship. And I think that Jesus would rather have us listen to him, worship him, hear him, and obey him than to just have us do activities that we think we're supposed to do. Ministry is absolutely important, but it's important because and when it is worship. And finally... My third thing that I've learned 
is that worship goes hand in hand with the cross. Jesus makes this odd comment at the end of the story. Well, it's not odd, but to me it was odd. He says, she did this, she poured this oil, this perfume out to prepare me for burial. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, why say that? What, what, why am I to believe that she knew that he was going to die and so she came in to specifically anoint his body? Probably not. Um, maybe Jesus is just directing his disciples' attention to what's to come. His body needs to be anointed to go to the grave and, and this is how God determined it would take place. Maybe he's saying to them, once this, this act of worship, it might seem excessive to you now, but once I go to the grave... It'll make a whole lot more sense because he's about to do the thing that is most deserving of worship. And as Jesus goes on, he says, he says that wherever the gospel is preached, this act of worship will always be remembered as well. I think what Jesus is showing us is what he's pointing out is how inextricably linked his death is to this act of worship. And in fact, how linked his death is to all our acts of worship. It's almost like he's saying that these two things are of equal significance, the cross and our worship. And I don't think they're of equal significance because they don't do the same thing. But in a way, they do go hand in hand because we can't get salvation for ourselves. So instead, what, ha- what we have is we have these two sides of the same thing. We have the cross, salvation, and that's entirely Jesus' job. And then we have worship, which is ours. That's our job. And there's no greater reason to worship than the salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross. Worship is the most special thing that we get to do because it's our response to the most special thing that was done for us. The two things can't be separated. Worship goes hand in hand with the cross. It is the reason for our worship. And I think worship is the only appropriate response to the cross. We're going to do something now that we have done in the Splash Zone every week this year. Um, We're going to do something that we do as part of our worship, and we call it Soak Time. And what we do in soak time is we take like five minutes to just literally, not literally soak, there's no water involved, but to sit and soak in the presence of God. Usually we actually lie down on the floor. I'm not going to ask you to lie down on the floor, but you can if you really want to. But the, the, the point of this time is to take five minutes that we set apart to give to God, to focus on Him, to give Him our attention to worship Him with, with all of us. And we're going to put some, some music on, and I'm going to invite Georgia out to, to lead us through this time. Um, you might have done this before. If, you've been in the, if you're in primary school and you've been in the Splash Zone, you'll have done this before. Um, but you might never have done this before. I want to encourage you to lean into it and, uh, and see, see what God does in you as we soak together. Hey, so this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, we do this at home probably almost every day, um, and I love it. Uh, and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. 
Um, and the first thing that we need to do is we need to focus because God is always speaking. He is always there and all we need to do is listen to him. But sometimes that's hard because we've got work and we've got school and we've got the stuff that we want to be doing now and we've got the stuff that we're doing later and we've got family stuff and it can just get a bit much. Um, and so we need to focus. So I'm going to ask you guys to do some things and you're going to have to do it. Um, so everybody reach up as high as you can. Wriggle your fingers around, everybody in the back, why not? Uh, and then put them in your lap. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take a deep breath in. And when you take a deep breath out, I want you to forget about all the stuff that's going on and focus on Jesus. We're going to put on some music, and the music intentionally doesn't have any lyrics because this isn't about uh, directing us to what you should be thinking. This is about just listening to God. And I'm going to take you through a visualization. Um, you don't have to do that. You can read through a bit of a Bible if you want to do this. You can just sit if you want to do this at home and listen to some music and ask God, God, what do you want to say right now? Um, but it's such an important thing to stop. Now, if you want to lie on the ground, this is a good time to lie on the ground so you can focus. Um, close your eyes. I'm going to put on that music now. And just take one more deep breath in. And breathe it out. Now, in your mind's eye, in your imagination, uh, I want you to imagine a field filled with flowers. What do those flowers look like to you? How high are they? Are they little? Or are they so high that you can't see above them? And in that field, I want you to start walking. And in the distance, you see someone. It's Jesus. And I want you to walk up to him. What does he look like to you? How tall is he? What's the look on his face? He's looking at you. He's telling you that he loves you. Now next to you on your right is a jar and in your imagination I want you to pick up the jar and just like this woman did in the story uh, we're going to pour out what we have and give it to God so I want you to fill that jar with all of your worries all of your doubts all of the things that are occupying your mind these days put it in the jar now, Jesus' hands are open. He's saying, give that to me. You don't have to carry that alone. And so when you're ready, hand that over. Now, when you're ready, I want you to ask him, is there anything that you want to say to me right now? Is there anything you want to show me?
Now on the left-hand side is another jar. And this one is full of, of oil. It's a joyous thing. What does it smell like to you? Is it your favorite smell? Now, as you hand this jar and pour it on Jesus, I want you to, to think of everything that you're filled with joy about, everything that he has done for us. And let's give him our worship in this moment. And once again, we're going to ask the question, Jesus, is there anything that you want to say to me? Is there anything that you want to show me? It might be a feeling. It might be a bit of scripture. Sometimes that just pops into our heads. might be something like what Dave did and be like a, a, a feeling like you need to do something. Like. Now when you're ready, I want you to take another deep breath in and another deep breath out. And we're going to stay in this space for a little bit. We're about to do another step of worship, another way that we can worship God, and that is we're going to take communion. And I love this also. Because communion is, is about eating bread and drinking a little bit of grape juice. But by doing that, we get to remember everything that God has done for us. And like Dave said, there's this amazing thing that he did where he died for us so that we could be living in freedom and living close to who he is and when we take this simple act of eating something and drinking something and remember everything that we did that he did it's a moment where we get to say thank you so when you're ready, and if you still want to sit in this space, sit in this space. If you still want to lay down, lay down. But when you're ready, um, there's two tables on the side. Uh, go over, take a bit of bread, take a little bit of juice, take it back to your seat. And I want you to, uh, to say thank you. Say thank you for all that God has done for us. Because the truth is, it's, I don't say that enough. It's easy to make this God thing be root, be something that we do and forget about the weight of someone laying down everything that they are so that they can be close to you. So we're going to put on a little bit of music and when you're ready, go over and take communion. Uh, and in a little bit, I'll pray.